0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Gonna shout it from the red it boards, a set is born. More explosive than triumph of the hordes, a set is born. Why, yes, Borak, I am keenly aware that that song is originally from Disney's very own Hercules, but I feel like I have a unique right to sing that song. Well, I'm sure you can tell from my rippling pectorals, but clearly, Hercules is a semi biography on yours truly. <laughs> Um, it isn't that funny. By the way, Borak, your laugh is significantly creepy. To all of you planeswalkers and spellcasters from all parts of the multiverse, it is wonderful to see you have planeswalked to us here in the Unlucky Lounge in historic Monoscrew Manor for another episode of Draft and Draft, the podcast where we take MTG and put the fun, flavor, and frivolity first. My name is Corey, your limited lore master and denizen of this here local establishment. Joining me as always is the best in the business. He is a gentleman, a scholar, more than just a two, two for two, and I gotta say, looking quite heroic. He is our very own bear tender, and his name is Borak. Borak. How are you feeling on this, the week of the pre-release of Theros Beyond Death? Yeah, Borok buddy, I'm excited too. I gotta tip my hat to you though, I feel like you're quite devoted to this coming set. I might even say you're more devoted than a Colony Hydra. And friends listening at home, if you don't know what Colony Hydra is, just look it up online and be in awe of all those juicy green mana symbols. Think of the Commander Potential, friends. Now do me the kindness and let this fun, frivolous way of starting the episode set the temperature for our topic here today. And that, of course is the top-down juiciness in the newest magic set but before we begin let's go ahead and do a little bit of housekeeping first as always this podcast is brought to you by the believe podcast network check them out wherever you get your podcast or directly at believe.com there you're going to find great content around sports movies lifestyle entertainment and so much more they got a podcast for whatever your taste may be so swing on by and check out some great shows you can also find us on our social media networks on twitter you can find me at draft and draft Corey, or look me up on instagram under Corey demon enriquez that is my full name yeah friends it's certainly a mouthful I know this much. I have lived with my name for the past 32 years. And you know, just come and find us. I want to know what your opinions are about the show. I want to be able to let you know where the new episodes drop as soon as possible. But most importantly, we want your stories, we want your voice to become a part of the Unlucky Lounge. So subscribe, follow, request anything possible we just want you to join in on the overall narrative and if this show is doing something good for you maybe whittling away a few hours here and there then we'd love for you to join us at our patreon draft and draft an mtg podcast we got tiered benefits we got all of our community and we want you to join us in helping keep the lights on here in Montescrew manor all right folks housekeeping done The sorcerer's broom is put away. Let's get to our topic for today. Now, Theros Beyond Death is upon us. The plane of Theros is infamous for creating great top down designs that play off the old tales of myths and heroes, gods and legends, Greece and lightning. Wait, that's something else. Anyway, Theros Beyond Death include some great nods to these stories and today we are going to make some judgment calls and determine what i consider to be the top five best top down design cards from the newest magic set now know that this is a completely subjective topic and your list may vary but what's most important is the context of the stories that mtg and the conversation that we have from looking at these great bits of design mastery and of course art. But of course, with talking of these legends and these historical elements, we must keep with tradition. So all of my planeswalkers, spellcasters, sorcerers, and wizards out there, if you have yourself a nice tasty brew, maybe a nice spirit. Perhaps a big large glass of grog i want you all to hold it up and join in me with the cheers for we begin this list of course with the iconic untapped step see folks i am so excited i'm even bending the aluminum in my can that i'm drinking from here tonight but let's get past that and start off with our top five list starting off with number five Siona, captain of the Pileus This is a legendary creature human soldier costing one colorless a white and a green When Siona enters the battlefield you look at the top seven cards of your library and put an aura amongst them into your hand Then you put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order One more line of text though is on her Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature you control, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. For me, the top-down resonance of this card came through when I took a closer look at the art. Now, quite clearly, Siona is in the forefront. She's clad in this really strong-looking iron armor. Behind her are a series of women dressed up in Spartan-looking like armor. And alongside, we also have a few men working as laborers behind them all. When I put all of the art together, it dawned on me. Siona is the Theros equivalent of Hippolyta, the Amazonian queen. Once you see Hippolyta in the art, it kind of all comes together alongside the card's effect. She summons followers to her side when she bolsters herself or any of her allies. She inspires people to come along with her. Then the auras almost kind of work like a leader-esque kind of boost. Maybe you can see them as warrior equipments. A sword, a shield, a suit of armor, or maybe even bulletproof racers? Perhaps a lasso of truth? I'm just thinking out loud here. Don't make me believe that I'm putting these associations together as an absolute truth. Now this card would rate higher on my list, especially with my love of Amazonian lore, but the top-down only really kind of comes through when the art and the text are seen after one precedes the other. It's not a bad thing at all, but I really love it when the art informs the text and it kind of works in almost a synergistic-like package. Also, this card would rate higher, especially because I personally love the Wonder Woman lore, DC Comics, Midsummer Night's Dream. Who knows? Maybe we'll even get some kind of Diana, daughter of the Pyleus, coming in a future set. I mean, that new Commander Draft product, it needs a lot of legends. Watsy? I don't know. Last minute changes? Please? I'm in. Hashtag... Free Idea Seminar. Let's go ahead and move on to top-down design number four. Hactos the Unscarred. Buckle in, friends. This is quite the card to explain. So first, his cost is red, red, white, white. So that's two red mana and two white mana. For a legendary creature, human warrior at rare. He reads... Hactos the Unscar attacks each combat if able. As Hactos enters the battlefield, choose 2, 3, or 4 at random. Hactos has protection from each converted monocost other than the chosen number, and he is a 6-1. Some crazy stats there. Now the first time I read this card, I was kind of taken aback at how strange it was. I- I'd never seen such a random effect before. Yet, after looking at it a few times and reading it over and over, the wheels in my head started to turn. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is a take on the story of Achilles. Well, that must mean that his lack of protection for that one monocost, well, that's his famed vulnerable heel. This card, to me, is an absolute slam dunk when it comes to top-down design. The top-down design itself, once you figure out the whole effect connecting with the lore, you actually understand the card fully. I had to look at it a few times. I thought, wait a minute. So it has protection from each of the other numbers that's listed on the card? No. It's from the one cost. But once you figure out the top-down and it informs the card's mechanic, to me, that is the kind of design elements that cause cards from going to being you know, good in design to being an absolute home run out of the park. Now, if I were to name this card, I would go with something maybe a tad more accurate. Maybe Hactos the semi-scard. Maybe you saw what I did there. But regardless, Watsi, well done on this card's design. As we move on to top-down design number three. Illyrios Enraptured. This is for two and a blue, a legendary creature human uncommon card. It's a two, three with the text that reads, when it enters the battlefield, it does so tapped. When it enters the battlefield, it also creates a three, two blue reflection creature token. Illyrios doesn't untap during your untap step if you control a reflection. When you look at this card, you immediately understand that this is the myth of Narcissus. Now, I had certainly heard of Narcissus before and know of the etymology of the word narcissism. But I wanted to know a little bit more about the story, so I did some research. And for those of you out there also maybe not as familiar with me initially with Greek mythology, here's a short crash course. Narcissus was a gorgeous pretty hunter who once denied a hug that a nymph wanted to give him. Now that nymph sad and depressed was wandering in the forest when suddenly the greek god of revenge came upon the nymph and promised the nymph a certain kind of retribution and so the greek god of revenge cast a spell upon narcissus and when he was wandering in the forest again and he caught himself in his own reflection the spell enacted and caused him to keep staring at his very own beauty until eventually he withered away and turned into a flower. That flower, appropriately enough, is still an actual thing and let's say got the name from the myth in itself. Now this is a perfect example of a top-down design that takes a legend, a lore, a myth from the content matter the set is going for and then creates the design around it. Now, what amuses me most about this card is that it kind of doesn't fit in any of the draft or limited archetypes that exist in Theros Beyond Death. It kind of, you know, acts as a value card to help you push through any kind of blocks or you can certainly return it with something, but it's not really an escape card. It's kind of devotion. It helps replace some aura value, so maybe a blue aura-based deck you could possibly argue it to be in. But to me, this card has nothing to do with the set mechanically. Instead, it has all to do with the set flavorfully. One might even argue that this set goes na-na-na-boo-boo to the mechanics and the limited play of the set, if only to deliver an absolute shotgun blast of flavor right in your face. And I hope that this happened to you as well. The whole idea of Narcissus and Reflection once more plays into the design of the card when you realize that the card's original 2-3 body is reflected with the 3-2 power of the token creature. It's literally a reflection of itself. Watsy, that brought a tear to my eye don't even care if this has nothing to do with how I draft the format, although it's going to be a very good card if I may be so bold. This card just lives exactly where it should be. I'm all for it. Keep up with cards just like this. But what's that you say? This is only number three on the list? Are you telling me there are two other cards that I think are higher than the Narcissist equivalent? I do. I really do think so, and we're gonna get to those top two cards when we... Um, Borok. Borok. Dude, wake up. Wake up, dude. We're in the middle of a podcast, man. Oh, my gosh. Borok, dude, look out. There's a shock coming right for you. It's okay, Borok. It's okay. Don't worry. I cast Harm's Way. The shock, it's out of there. But I got to know, you're sleeping right now in the middle of our podcast? What's going on? Are you not getting enough Z's at night time? my sympathies are to you. You see, my bear buddy, he needs a place that's comfortable enough for a hibernation. But I know your problem, Borak. Those box spring mattresses, they're just too hard. Foam mattresses, too soft. But purple mattresses, quite frankly, they're just right. No, Borok, I truly am certain about this. You see, with a purple grid, you get the best of both worlds. Hard and soft in the same sleep. In fact, the patented cool breathability of that grid is going to leave you in a place where you don't even need to flip-flop your pillow like it's a politician on election year. So summary, you're going to love purple mattresses and for a limited time you can get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress that is in addition to the great deals that they're offering site-wide at purple.com that's right purple.com and you can just text b-l-e-a-v to 84888 again text b-l-e-a-v to 8488 to get your free purple pillow along with your mattress So, please, text in and make your sleep as good as a bear hibernates in the wintertime. Now, you are getting it, Borak. Message and data rates apply, purple.com, text BELIEVE to 8488. Now back to the show, and let's go to the best top-down design of Theros Beyond Death. Here comes, number two. Wings of Hubris. Friends, this is a two colorless mana artifact equipment. It equips for one and reads, Equip creature has flying. Then you can sacrifice Wings of Hubris and the equipped creature can't be blocked this turn. Sacrifice the creature at the end step. I read the title of this card, saw that it was an artifact equipment, made my own mental prediction about what the card did, I gotta tell you, I was pretty close. I knew this card before I even read the text box. This is the story of Icarus, who flew too close to the sun. Ugh, I adore this card. Maybe not very good in limited, or maybe any constructed format ever, but again, who cares. This card echoes the legend of flying too close to the sun in such a comprehensible and grokkable way. You can't help but smile when you read this card. What's that, Icarus flies? Great! Not enough for you? Well, he goes too high and boom, goes straight to the graveyard. I love it. I can't talk about the smiles I had when I fully saw this card enough. But I have to say, one of the cool things about this card shows a certain level of magic design philosophy. The mechanics inform the story it's based off of, but it's chosen in a particular way. In fact, I'm going to take this from the uh, Limited Resource Podcast. If you haven't listened to it, and you're one of my listeners, go and check it out. But in there, Luis Scott Vargas made this really cool theoretical practice when it came to this card. Imagine if this was some other kind of magical equipment. Say it was an enchanted set of armor instead. Maybe it might make some sense, but it just wouldn't resonate in the same way that this card makes sense, as a set of wings flying and plummeting you down to earth when your ambitions get too high. It plays into the story, it plays into the mechanics, it does everything that I want a card to do. Also, this card gets a huge bump in my rating system because of the use of the word of hubris in the title of the card. That is credit for anyone out there who spent way too much money getting a degree that has anything to do with the English language. Well, folks, before we get to my number one top-down design card of Theros Beyond Death, I got a few honorable mentions I want to swing your way. First, it's a duo of cards, Labyrinth of Skophos and Skophos Maze Warden. It is amazing. It is a Minotaur creature that becomes better when you put your opponent's creature in the Labyrinth. It's a Minotaur in a Labyrinth. That is so amazing. It's a two-card combination, one of which actually name-drops the other, Adore. Next on my list of honorable mentions is a card called Flummox Cyclops. I'll read it for you quickly. It's three colas and a red. It's a 4-4 reach creature that reads, Whenever two or more creatures your opponents control attack, Flummox Cyclops can't block this combat. He's so confused. He's a Cyclops. He's got one eye. He never saw it coming. See what I did there? One eye. Didn't see it coming. Is that insensitive? Anyway, my next honorable mention is Entrancing Liar. Shorthand, it's an equipment that when you play it, activate it, in a sense, it taps down a creature and doesn't untap until you choose to untap the Entrancing Liar itself. Now, when I showed a list of what I found to be the ballpark kind of contenders for best top-down designs in Theros to some of my non-magic friends, two of them both pointed out Entrancing Liar. And that is enough for me to give it a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge, how's-your-mother, Monty Python reference, yet acknowledgement to what they thought was a really cool card and a really cool resonance to old stories of myth and lore. Also, those same non-magic friends really resonated with mirror shield it's the equipment that costs two equipped to two and gives your creature hexproof zero two and then whenever it becomes blocked by a creature with death touch the mirror shield automatically destroys that creature another idea of the gorgon being defeated by its own glare it just worked it works for everyone it informs the story once more now the final honorable mention i just want to quickly refer to is the mythic saga, Kiora bests the Sea God. Now, it doesn't resonate with Theros top-down design and the idea of old Greek lore, but I really adore how this card works. It is a saga that informs the tale of how Kiora beat Thassa. Each chapter on this saga tells the whole story of Kiora's encounter with Thassa. Chapter 1, Kiora does what she does best summons Krakens to her side. Chapter 2, Kiora, I'm guessing, uses some water-based spell to either bring forth a strange low or high tide, maybe freezes the water, but basically renders Thassa weak and incapacitated. Then finally on Chapter 3, Kiora steals Thassa's bident and walks away ready to use it if needed, hence the untap of the final clause. It's not a traditional top-down card, but it still talks about the magic story and gives us some context without having us need to read a large chapter book or maybe one of those really great articles on the wizard's main page. But speaking of sagas, let's move to my number one pick for best top-down design card of Theros Beyond Death. The first Iroan Games. This is an enchantment saga, two colorless and a green. It has four chapters on the saga. Chapter one, you create a 1-1 human soldier creature token. Chapter two, put three plus one plus one counters on target creature you control. Chapter three, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw two cards. And finally, chapter four, create a gold token. All right, friends, here on Draft and Draft, let's break this card down a bit. First off, the art is just so perfect. It looks like one of those stories you find on the side of Vosses, maybe just like those we see in the film Hercules from the Muses. Hey, look, my own biography comes back into play. That, my friends, is what we like to call a call back in the business. Whatever, Borak. Scoff all you want. You wish you were on my level. Anyway, back to the card. Now, this card clearly tells the story of an athlete or a warrior ascending to the top of their chosen field. Each chapter flows into the whole story to create a cohesive card effect and a very clean narrative storyline. But... This card goes over the top with how much flavor just oozes and drips from it in two very important ways. Now the first way is that this is clearly a top-down design of a competitor in the Olympic Games, them ascending to the top after their training to get into a place where they're ready to take on any and all competitors. But I'll be honest with all of you, when I first read this card, I almost thought this was Greek meets an 80s sports montage brought together with the art, almost looking like one of those cool Ralph Macchio Karate Kid, put it all together, show a lot of things happening at once, remind everyone of what's going on with every shot, show little improvement to show it all would take too long. That is called a montage. But there's one more bit of top-down flavor to squeeze out of the first Iroan games, and that is in Chapter 4, which has you make a gold token. You heard me right. A gold token. Not a treasure token. No, friends, this is a gold token. Now, today, we have seen the treasure token take over the design space that gold tokens had for a very brief time. Don't get me wrong. Gold tokens weren't around that long, nor did did that much in the game. However, WotC dusted off the gold token just to use for this card. It does almost no harm. And certainly, yeah, maybe you want to unify all the treasure tokens into some kind of mechanical overall hole for multiple different formats and different decks that people are brewing. But R&D made the choice to give it gold. And to me, it creates that story. It is an excuse to use top-down design as a central focus in their cards. And I got to give WotC just a standing ovation for that. Well done, Wizards of the Coast. Well done, Magic the Gathering. Well done, R&D team. You all get 200 Cory points. They're not worth anything. But hey, maybe someday I'll actually be famous and you can go on eBay and... Sell them for five cents. Maybe you can redeem them someday at a game store for one of those $1 candy bars. Whatever it is, regardless, you earned it, folks. Good for you. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Draft and Draft. few housekeeping reminders once more. This podcast brought to you by Believe.com. Check them out at Believe.com or wherever you download your podcast. Drop a line to me on Twitter. Draft and Draft, Corey. In fact, I want you to tell me what you think of this list. Do you agree? Are there cards that I left off that just drips with top-down flavor that you think? Shame on you, Corey. How dare you not mention that card? Bring on the heat, folks. I want to hear from you. And of course, this episode is brought to you by anyone on our Patreon. Check us out. Draft and Draft, an MTG podcast. And if we bring you a few smiles, throw us a few bucks, join us. Let us give you some benefits, and let's all celebrate the game we all love together. Well, I don't know about you, but I found the end of my bottle, and so we've reached the end of this episode. Until next time, go out there and brew up some memories of your own. I mean, hey, we're right by that Friday, and it's pre-release weekend. Go enjoy the game. My name is Corey, and thanks for listening to Draft and Draft. We'll see you all again next week.